this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to your latest edition of the Woke Bros. I'm your gracious co-host, Big Waz. Of course, as always, I got my main man, Michael Jamal Abdul Shabazz Muhammad Brooks in the house. <laughs> Trying to stay as gracious as you, my friend. How you doing? I love it. I'm good, man. It's happy to be back, man. We took a week off to stretch our legs. You know what I'm saying? Kind of, you know, you know how when you work out at the gym, you don't want to go every single day because your body becomes fatigued and then you start to have a reverse effect and break your shit down. You got to have some rest days in between. I think we went a bunch of weeks in a row of just just exciting, dynamic, incredible, intelligent content. And so we decided to ease up last week. But now we're back and stronger and better than ever. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I and now actually, I'm, yeah, for the past, I don't know, like eight months now. Now I do know what you're talking about again. Like <laughs> That's good. A lazy fuck. Well, actually, you know, I don't know, man. Late twenties, early thirties was just like it's a revelation. I just need to work, right? Yeah. That was it. Was like it was almost like well, through my twenties, I was still doing like, hey, I can be balanced. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and then it was all of a sudden like, oh shit, I cannot be balanced. I need to do this. And then it was like, you know, got got some headwinds, and then all of a sudden you're like, all right, shit. <laughs> what happened to my cardio? What, what happened to my? Like, I'm running to get a subway. Oh, it catches Whoa. up on you so much faster. Yeah, not, you know, the, the speed with which your washness creeps up on it's 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 yes. incredible. Yes. Of course, of course, we can't forget about the junior producer. You not you ain't quite super yet, Rob Lopez. We we got we gonna ha- let you wait on the super title, but mm-hmm. Rob Lopez, of course, is on the ones and twos super as and always. Training. But he's but he's doing his thug dizzle as always. Uh, just to pay some bills really quick, man. The TMBS live show is upon us, February the first. You know, at the Bell House in Brooklyn, USA, man. This, this is this is a long time coming, a long time in the making. I'm really excited for the whole team, man. Uh, 
That's that's yeah, gonna be man. Cool. I'm I'm really excited about this. I'll say honestly, like if you're uh, you know if you're if you're listening tomorrow morning when this comes out, um, I don't even like right now as of recording. There's some tickets left. Maybe there won't. I mean, check definitely tomorrow if you're listening to this. But we're gonna have a great time. Uh, like now, like the sketches are recorded, the plans are laid out. We've got the great Alona Minkowski, the great Bashkar Sankara, the great Trevor Bull, you, the great funny man, Mike Racine. Of course, you've got all of us. Um, it's going to be a really good show. It's going to, you know, it's going to be special. So uh, hopefully, um, you know, see you out there. And definitely, if you're specifically a Woke Bros Count the Dings person, let me know. Because uh, I, I always, I always, I mean, I think you know, in general, it's fascinating how somebody finds uh, what you do. But I really yeah. want to know people that are uh, listening to this specifically. The cross pollination, the the the, the um, swords yeah. crossing, if you will, of TMPS <laughs> right. and the Counted yeah, Dings exactly. sure. and the Counted <laughs> Dings Network. Um, and of course, man, March second is also it's. I mean, obviously, February first is no longer creeping up on us. It's this fucking Friday, March second. Uh, Counted Dings live in Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, in and around the Sloan Analytics Conference out there, man. Uh, we're going to have the live show at the Middle East. Tickets are moving faster and faster as we get closer to the date. A lot of special guests already signing on, man. Of course, you can expect the entire Count the Dings crew. Jade is taking the call in this show, the Wasden show, because he thinks I'm going to, you know, come at my <laughs> nemesis out in Boston, a.k.a. what okay. I like to call the birthplace the mecca of the white American bro. Um, and so... <laughs> the mecca of the white... <laughs> <laughs> and if you really think about it, it's true. No, it's not wrong. It's just, <laughs> it's just interesting. Interesting terminology. I like it. I like it. Uh, yeah, man, that's coming up March the 2nd. Make sure you get your tickets. VIP tickets have already sold out. General admin is out there, man. And, you know, not to say that if you don't get VIP, you won't get a VIP experience. Uh, I'm just telling you, you know, the stuff, the free T-shirts, the blah, 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 blah. But trust me, there'll be plenty of opportunities to meet people, uh, connect with people, man. Finally come out and say what's up to the entire crew. It's going to be a good time. So now that we paid some bills, Mike, let's get on to the show. Let's do this. Today we're going to get into the great... Is this what's it, what's the guy's first? I've been calling him shorts, shorts, Schultz. <laughs> Howard Schultz. Howard. I was about to call him George Schultz. Is that somebody or just make that up? Howard yeah, Schultz. So George, I don't know who, but George Schultz was somebody. He was okay. like I feel like he was like a defense secretary or something. There you go. Um Howard yeah. Schultz of Starbucks fame. Uh he's been running his yap recently. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right, right. He, all in the media because um he's you know formed an exploratory committee. He's he's meditating on whether or not he should run for president. We're gonna get into that at the top of the show. Of course, Kamala Harris, who's kind of proven like with her presidential announcement that she's gonna be a force in this race. Uh, mm -hmm. what, no matter what side of the Democratic, the lefty, the progressive, the liberal arm of things in politics you fall on, she's going to be around 
throughout the course yeah. of this race, as we're starting yeah. to see with this announcement, we're going to get into her, the town hall that she had this week. And then, we're, of course, we're going to get into Davos and just the abject ridiculousness of that entire enterprise and some party crashes, man, some gate crashes. Did some beautiful work down there, man. Um, and and me and Mike and, and me and Michael took a took a extreme liking to that. So we're gonna get into that a little bit. But of course, first, man, Howard Schultz, billionaire, former um CEO of Starbucks, uh, former Seattle Supersonics owner, who might I add, sold the team in a huff because he couldn't get public funding for a fucking basketball arena. Let's, I mean, like, the layers of the hypocrisy <laughs> and the ridiculousness of this guy and this week and this media blitz is, it's just, it's, be, it's beyond comprehension, honestly, when you think about our moment, right? Especially in politics today, where it's like, even Donald Trump knows he can't talk shit about Medicare. He can't talk shit about social, like, even he knows that. You know, the guy that is the Republican leader knows he can't do that shit and actually keep a constituency involved. Um, in the year of our Lord, 2019, Howard Schultz can come out and try to tell me he's a social liberal, but a fiscally responsible <laughs> concern. What, like, like, I'm sorry. I know I sound exasperated, but like. I just because I haven't been gotten a chance to interact with you guys a majority or on TMBS this week, and I know you guys tackled this bullshit. So please, this talk to me, man. Talk to me, please. I mean, I can't talk you off of a ledge. I mean, it's look. Let's let's like take let's like move it up in orders of importance, right? So actually, right out of the gate, um, the response to him has been uh, correct from the general public, which is mockery, derision, and dismissal, uh, including that gentleman who should get an award from the public who at the um, Barnes & Noble in Union Square you know, interrupted his bloviating platitudes to say, like, basically, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but literally like, listen, you narcissistic asshole, like, don't run this ridiculous vanity campaign and potentially help Trump get reelected. So, Well, let's begin with what I said on national TV last night so I can frame the answer. Uh, what I said last night is that I am seriously considering running for president as a centrist independent. And I wanted to clarify the word independent, which I view uh, merely as a designation on the ballot. And Don't help elect Trump, you egotistical billionaire asshole. Go back to getting ratioed on Twitter. Go back to Davos with the other billionaire elite who think they know how to run the world. That's not what democracy needs. You know, look, that's that's great. On the flip side, the media. Um, they have learned nothing gonna, from 2016. Nothing. And that's and I love that you say 2016 because the truth of the matter is, is like – I'll get to the differences in a second. But I hope people see how clearly – like I know like this is the same shit as Donald Trump. It's all because I'm rich, I know. 
And this country is so pathological. It's a bigger problem about capitalism and worshiping business. Like nobody said, I mean, I always use this example how in the uh, Walter Isaacson, Steve Jobs book, he, he solicits Steve Jobs opinion on public education. And it's some, you know, it's typical banal Silicon Valley bullshit. And I say, you know, you never would ask the New Jersey State Public School Teacher of the Year how to run an iPhone supply chain. And just the idea that you have a guy who is, um, you know, great. He got a, made a lot of money slanging coffee beans. Uh, he's got no – He's by the way, he's bad on labor. He's bad on trade practices. He's an oligarch. And he and clearly is been surrounded by specifically, you know, hack consultants like Bill Burton, who worked for Barack Obama and Steve Schmidt, who worked for George W. Bush, who, you know, if we were animating it, the fucking dollar signs are going. I mean, I'm tempted to go to Howard Schultz and be like, hey, dude, I'll help you (laughs) figure out how to talk to the youth, dude, because this is an opportunity to just make stupid money off of a delusional rich person. But the last thing I'll say, though, really quick, though, is, you know, the, the real test here, and we'll get to this later, but there was that political article that came out that basically these Wall Street guys were like, Beto, cool. Uh, Biden, cool. Harris, cool. Gillibrand, cool. Um, The only ones we don't want are Sanders and Warren, which, of course, that should just be all you need to know. Like, that needs to know. That's all (laughs) you need to know about who the top choices are. So I'll say this. If the Democratic Party nominates a Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, somebody like Howard Schultz, who at the end of the day, as much as they might hem and haw about this or that, they're oligarchs and they want to guard a system of, of theft, if we're using the right word, that increases their wealth at the expense of the well-being of everybody else. And they will absolutely risk putting Donald Trump back into office for another term because at the end of the Ultimately, day, he's helped by this stuff. Exactly. And, and, and you know. He and again, he gives the whole fucking game away every time he opens his stupid ass mouth. It's the reason why I even started thinking about this is I see all the traction that Alexandria um, Ocasio Cortez is getting in the party. It's not, yo, bro, we elected a fucking lunatic to office. In 2016, this guy didn't come around and say, yo, bro, I think I'm going to look into this politics stuff because I think I can. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez comes around and that's what animates him. That's what makes him want to get involved, right? And it's no no wonder, no kidding. Yes, it's because he's very rich. We're talking about holding rich people accountable. And the problem with, which doesn't, you know, and who's going to point this out to the mainstream media? If it's not the mainstream media, the problem with the coverage, right, is you know, and by the way, Mika and 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 Cup of Joe, whatever the fuck his name is, <laughs> um, <the> Morning Joe. <laughs> um, they actually, they actually like asked this dude like just I'm not, not to say they went hard on him, but they didn't go soft. They were just like, all right, you want to do this, but like why? And then he looked like an idiot. He sounded like an idiot. But the reason why those people are susceptible to this stuff is just that. Amika Brzezinski, bro, is for all intents and purposes rich. 
the tax argument, the argument that we need to lower taxes on the people in the top brackets is going to be something to appeal to TV reporters because they make a lot of money, right? Like back in the days, yes, if you were just some, you know, some schmuck working your local beat, like, yes, you were a working man. Right. Like, I'm sorry if you are somebody who works at MSNBC or CNN and we don't need to get into Fox. But if you're on the TV <laughs> over there, um, you you identify more with this Schultz clown than you do some teacher making 60 grand, 55 grand a year. It's yeah. just the it's just the, the the facts. Like you don't identify with the janitors. You don't identify with garbage men. You don't identify with workers, bro. You know what I'm saying? And so, so like, when you see this little media blitz where, like, this lady gets up there and she talks to the, 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 the Stein dude from Washington Post and it's like, well, just because he's against the, the, the high marginal tax rate doesn't mean that it's because it's going to personally affect him. It's like... In the dude's no, like, that was amazing. That was uh, Stephanie Rule on MSNBC and Jeff Stein. By the way, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Liberal, and I'm using air quotes here, liberal MSNBC who's saying this shit. Well, I mean, look, right. I mean, and actually, and so, yeah, so Jeff Stein from Washington Post was basically saying the mind-blowingly obvious thing that this guy is personally perturbed about a tax proposal that might actually tax some of his obscene wealth as as, um, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez's uh, policy advisor, his Twitter bio says every billionaire is a policy failure, and that's a hundred percent right. But, but like, and then she said, "Isn't that naive?" Which is like one of the funny, like I don't even know. Like, no, the question I mean, you're I, I asking know is the naive one, lady. For that level of delusion, but like, but you know, but that's the big thing, right? Is, and I've and I've actually been saying this for as long as I've done political commentary. The really. And I want to be careful here, too, because it's it's actually super narrow. It's not it's definitely not that like the elites are passionate about racial justice or demilitarizing the border or any of these other, quote unquote, social issues. I hate I hate that term. But they but on the other hand, it's like, look, people, the elites of this country are who are, you know, absolutely obviously just overrepresented in wealth and media. They are, they are, they're that like, you know, gay people are cool. Women should be able to have an abortion, but frankly, unless they have to actually pay for public health provisions, which is kind of another question. And they're fucking oligarchs. And the, and that's actually the funniest thing about Howard Schultz candidacy. Because to be honest with you, it's like, if you really were out going to like the quote unquote middle of the country. And I'm, by the way, I don't think like, I think obviously America's a massively it's a you know it's foundationally a racist country but I also think that the type of racism that Trump is playing is very specific to the Republican party but what I'm saying is like if you were going to run like a hey I want to run an independent campaign that spoke to the center of the country you'd actually basically go out to the center of the country and you'd be like you know what I think your guns are cool and I'm going to tax those motherfuckers on Wall Street to give you health care it's the opposite of what Howard was talking about. He has no constituency. It has no, well, the constituency has is the ultra wealthy over credentialed of the country who have a disproportionate influence. But it's just funny to me that like, like I'm aware on the issues where 
I know that I am definitely to the left of like quote unquote mainstream opinion. But I would say pretty much none of those are on the issues of economics where I'm a socialist. And you know what? People are on board with that. <laughs> like they might not be on board with all my you know views of what we need to do about policing and prisons, right? Sure. But that's so it's just economically wild. everybody's yeah. on board with it. Everybody to some version of that. They are on board with wealth taxes. They're on board with Medicare for all because it's good for most people. People. <laughs> it's you and the thing that people need to realize is that you know Howard Schultz is essentially just Paul Ryan, you know, if yes. Paul Ryan had to take a lie detector test. Yeah. If yeah, you yeah, yeah. made Paul Ryan talk about, truthfully talk about shit like abortion or like guns and shit or any of that, or any of the stuff that, you know, the base Republican voter actually cares about. He's basically in line with any Demo any mainstream Democrat, any Howard Schultz type. Like, if you gave him truth serum, he does not care. Of course chicks should be able to get abortion, right? right. Like, of course. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, but of course. And again, whenever I, yo, I haven't heard a single conservative talk about the deficit since January 17, I mean, January of 2017. It hasn't come up right. one time, Mike. And then this right. idiot goes, we need to get the, the deficit is the big, bro. What like, like this is, it's just, bro. Even the Republicans who claim to care about this shit, they don't even do it anymore because they don't have to. It's well, they'll do it. They'll do it the next time they make a, a push in security yes. or Medicare, yes. or the next time a Democrat's in office. Like that's it. And I mean, like literally, look. It, again, this could get very serious if somehow somebody with like an actual economic agenda gets the Democratic nomination, whether that be with Sanders, Warren, potentially even Sherrod Brown, but. On the but beside that, then it could get really serious because they will, you know, spend a huge amount of money and try to really wreck the country in the election because ultimately it's obviously just narcissism and selfishness. But you know, before we get to that point, there is a way in which like you could just look at this guy as like a microcosm of everything wrong with the country, even just down to the way like I was watching Bill Burton, right? Who you, he used to be an Obama guy. And he was doing a hit like defending working for Schultz and talking about like how we need to expand our political imagination. And I'm honestly watching this guy bullshit on TV. And I'm like, I, I actually started to feel bad for Howard Schultz because I'm like, this is the hustle inside the hustle inside the hustle. Like this guy's delusional enough to think <laughs> some people are looking for some fucking like barista, you know, kingpin to do this. And there's enough fucking, you know, credential consultants like Washington Steve Schmidt and Bill Burton who are like, you know what? I will absolutely like maybe maybe you don't want to be taxed to create free college or healthcare for people, but I'll certainly fucking oh. tax your fucking ego and make a and the Steve Schmidt type this is why 
this is why I'm always wary of any never Trumper. Like oh, all God. it's doing is waiting for a, a Schultz type to hop on. Like they're not actually friends of anybody but themselves, right? Yes. Like it's like, okay, I can defend Schultz's stupidity with dignity. Right. Like to a certain point. Yeah. Steve Schmidt knows like, damn, there's no dignity in working for Donald Trump. Like there just is none. Like not even a a scintilla of that shit to be had. If you take a job with that dude. But Schultz, of course, I can hold my head high doing this grift. A hundred percent. I can do that. You know, and and that's right. why you gotta and be willing of those type of a cats. lot of money, money, of course. A, but that's all these people care about, right? It's like just this yes. idea that, like, you know, a never Trump, especially a lifelong Republican operative, like the idea that you don't know who Republican voters are is bullshit, bro. It's just crazy to me. Like the idea that these we've civilized these savages just because <laughs> they've pointed out the obvious of just like, yo, this guy that we elected is a horrible person. It's just like, it's, it's amazing how low the bar is for those dudes, but you know, they support the agenda. They support the agenda. I mean, I, that's just the bottom line, whether it's, I mean, what do you what do you oppose coup in Venezuela? Do you want people to have health care? Do you want to no. do something about policing? Do you want to do no. something like no, 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 no. I actually want rich people to be given even more money. I want people to be even poorer and sicker. But you know, I think Trump, you know, it's like Anna Navarro. It's like do it with a oh, degree of class. That's literally what she says. And some people get offended when I do that impression. And by the way, they like fuck you. But that literally is what she says. Like, I have seen clips with, like, he did it with a degree of class. And I was like, all right, I guess so. Like, that's, you know, I understand that your dad backed the Contras. I'm sure that, like, when the Contras were getting money from Reagan to fucking kill nuns, they did it with a degree of class. Like, everybody knows Donald Trump is... I mean, Donald Trump is everything that's wrong with this country and the world combined in one person. It's like Nas. I'm like the 99 Summer Jam, all races in one man. He's every <laughs> pathology. But that's real basic. Like, if you don't get that Donald Trump is the worst, then, I mean, maybe we got to talk to you because you're, you know, you're just gone. But if you're just some asshole who's made a living, whether you're Rick Wilson or Steve Schmidt promoting war. Rick Wilson, and that's another dude I wanted to, I was yeah, trying to freaking think guy. of. And he's dumb liberals who are always, you know, hating on Bernie Sanders because God forbid we get everybody health care in college. But like, oh, did you see the Rick Wilson tweet about Donald Trump's hands? Oh, my God. So, it's, it's so pathetic. Um, you know, I'm I'm happy. You know, it's it's just nice because like this guy, I you know, to wrap this up, it's just nice that the, as exasperating as watching this shit has been, watching this guy just get beaten over the head with the drum. <laughs> Just people have just been gashing this dude everywhere, like just destroying him. You know, like somebody, yo, what's your what's your favorite? Who's okay? Since you're such a Democrat, blah blah blah. Who's your favorite Democratic um, president of the last fifty years? Man said FDR. First of all, that was like seventy years. Second of all, like how could like how could you? 
be opposed to all of these programs, all of these ideas, and actually say, the, actually fix your mouth to say FDR, bro. And people, F- he just F- got FDR. <laughs> he just F-D-R. got FDR. FDR, bro. FDR. You are the antithesis I mean, of everything that was happening with that. One. Exactly. <laughs> FDR's name out of your fucking Hoka Vente or whatever the fuck. <laughs> it's just, it's, it was nice to see him just get smoked. Oh my lord, he was so out of his depth. It's, um, it was beautiful to watch, and it's, you know, and it's good every now and again to, like, because these billion, they don't actually have to go out and talk to nobody. Right. Like, no, there's no accountability for Howard Schultz. Like nobody's ever asking him hard questions. Like nobody's ever holding him to account for anything. Like because he doesn't have to. He flies private. He has a yacht. He it like he don't need like he doesn't have to interact with any of this stuff. So, you know, he can't. He, I, he mean, ducks it's, it's kind of, I mean, it is the it's the Kanye effect on some level. You, oh yeah, hundred percent. He's yeah. the ideas that he gets to say at all his fancy dinner parties, and everybody claps for him and says, "Hell yeah!" You know the type of dinner parties <laughs> that like no, no normal people would be at. He's like, "No, I'm gonna say this shit in public now," and people are like, "No, sir. No, 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 sir." Right? Because they've been all walking around like telling each other. Like I remember the last thing I'll say, the last anecdote I'll give. I remember. A, a guy who, you know, my, my parents went up to Massachusetts and, be, and were, you know, hyper broke hippies. And then my aunt went and worked in, in Wall Street. And her husband, my uncle, who, you know, is a good guy. I'm not trying to trash him, but I can't help it. This is, and I remember this is literally like, this is probably like 12 years ago or something, right? You know, I'm like, I don't even know if I was even, I mean, yeah, I was in college or something, right? But a long, long time ago, and we were talking about politics, and he's like, you know, the thing is, I'm a fiscal conservative and a social liberal. And even then, it was like, dude, that's the cliche of every fucking person like you. And he said it like it was some type of, like, bold, innovative yeah, yeah, thing. He thought he was jumping out there with it. Yes. <laughs> He's the, exactly. He thought he was jumping out there I with like, like hey, I'm mean, social. I don't have a problem with gay people, but black people need to get off welfare. That's that's, that's the, like you. Wow, you're so you're telling me that you think that like gay people aren't that icky, and you're terrified of black people, and you want a tax cut. Wow, I've never heard that before. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's you know, and, and again, as I mentioned on Twitter today, it's like nobody ever mentions fiscal um, conservatism as it pertains to the military industrial. Like that never gets any right. play. Like you can't even get that conversation started anywhere meaningful, anywhere, like ever. No president's going to do it. Shit, con- nobody, nobody. You can't even get the the ball rolling on it. Right. Um, you can't even get the ball rolling on the idea that maybe we should spend less than we do on military. Like that can't that never happens. And then nobody ever calls a big ass tax cut a, what it is. It's a spend. We're spending. We're taking money away from the pot and giving it back to people who already have piles of it. It's a spend. It's not it's it's not revenue. Tax cuts is not revenue. It's spending. We never talk about it like that. And not none of this shit came out of this guy's mouth, but he's talking about 
fiscal conservative. Any wait, man, we probably spent too much time on this fucking. No, I don't know. Look at this stuff here. You know, like it's just, it was just rich. It's just rich. Why? Why do you think so many people have? Why do you think we've gotten this kind of unbelievable react? Why? I don't know, but what I do know is the president wants you to run. Not only did he tweet as much, but yeah. Maggie Haberman in the New York Times is reporting this morning that this week at a fundraiser, he told his supporters he wants you to run because he thinks it will help get him reelected. Well, he should be careful for what he wishes for. Um, of course, moving on to 2020, man, uh, Kamala Harris had a town hall the other day and you know i'm somebody who's not I'm, I'm definitely not pro kamala harris like she hasn't demonstrated like up to especially up to the t- to the town hall and her actual um her actual uh announcement uh she hasn't really gone out and articulated much right like obviously to me, the top choice for the Dems is Bernie Sanders, right? Like, and right. that go, and that's you know, unlike last time where Bernie kind of got in almost as a lark, um, you know, but he had the best policies. But now, like, it's like no, Bernie has operationally he's equipped, um, policy wise. Obviously, he's far, he's not, he's far and away more aligned with what I would like to see happen policy-wise, um, enthusiast, like, if whatever you want the measurement to be, right now, on January 30th of 2019, Bernie Sanders is the strongest candidate on the Democratic side. Like, that's just a fact, right? It's not like 2015. It's not like, it's not like where he didn't have his operations in order and he didn't, like, he didn't have the name recognition. Like, it's, Bro, he has literally everything lined up right now. So to me, he's the strongest candidate in all the ways that you would call somebody strong, right? All the ways that you would describe a potential candidate as strong. Um, Kamala Harris interests me is because when people say, when people say, oh, um, well, she was a cop, and that's a negative, and obviously, like anybody who's enforcing Pretty much, yo, I don't know that there's a state in America because we're overly law enforced in this whole country where the top cop is doing something that can be described as liberal, right? Like, not if you are operating- Larry Krasner. Yeah, Krasner, and that's it. And that that guy got in like two years ago, right? And he's the first of his- Well, you know know what though? Well, what what about Elliot Spitzer though? Elliot's okay. Elliot Spitzer did a cool thing where he was just like, <laughs> "We are gonna do the strict whatever uh, drug crimes and murders and all of that shit, whatever rape, but we really gonna go after these Wall Street cats." Like, yeah, he he was a savage. I mean, for that. he was a beast for that. He was well, a beast. But, for that. About that. Well, anyway, I mean, but let me just put that on the table and then finish what you're saying. Like, if you didn't look, there's a lot of stuff to pick apart with it. But I'll say this: if Kamala Harris had as regressive and as harsh prosecutorial record as she has, and she put Steve Mnuchin in jail, and she went after mortgage, you know, fraud, and she went after polluters, and like, then it would be like, all right, okay. I don't know necessarily if one hand washes the other, but that means we're talking about a completely different politician here. 
But yeah, if you that, are the same person that wants to terrorize poor families about fucking truancy, and then you pass an opportunity to prosecute Steve Mnuchin, pretty bad. No, and no, <laughs> nobody would nobody would call that good. But I'm just saying, like it's it's. It's um, I'm I'm just saying like for her to not have been that she would have had to been Elliot Spitzer. That's my point, right? <laughs> like when Jay Z said to be Bobby, then you got to be Bobby now. Like you would have had to be Elliot Spitzer, right? Like you would have had to been that guy. You would have had to been somebody going completely against the grain in three trillion ways. And Elliot Spitzer, somebody who could afford to do that because he's from a rich-ass family, right? Like, there are certain things in place that prevent people from doing this very thing. Like, most people in Elliot Spitzer's background don't do that. They're friends with the Wall Street people, right? Like, the re- right. and so yeah. when you're that rich, you can do shit outside of the system. Is what I'm saying. Like the system is not set up to have, you know, half Elliot Spitzers and half um uh 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 what's my man's name? Jeff 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 Sessions. You understand what I'm saying? Like the system is meant for <laughs> right, like right, right. Jeff Sessions is kind of like I guess on the far reaches, but you're not getting that much further than him. And that goes to weed, right. that goes to everything. That's like the system. So to have that to have had that job means that you are you were um executing conservative policies. That's just a fact, right? And whatever we in Shit, man, you want to be president, people have the right to hold that against you. The reason why it's interesting to me, it's like, all right, one, she's black. So that means it's a lot different to get there. Like what it takes to get there, the the hands you got to shake, the people you got to know. And, you know, and at the time, I'm not realizing it, but, you know, listening to her, her little speech is the Barry thing all over again. In the sense that, like, I don't have to be radical because I'm black, right? And and in order to get where Barry got Harlem, I mean, I said, I was about to say Harlem Law Review, Mike. The Harvard <laughs> Law, Law, Law Review. <laughs> These jokes write themselves. Um, you know, the, the Harvard Law Review um all of these elite circles, like the bottom line is Barack is an elite liberal. He's not some radical dude. He's just an Ivy League liberal dude. And and on the spectrum of liberalism, they're some of our most conservative folks, right? And, you know, I think Kamala Harris, she had an opportunity to do a Hillary Clinton and people come at your authentic, like how authentic are you? Uh, she had a chance to do that. You know, just be like, you know what? I used to be crazy conservative, but I've seen the light on a lot of this shit, and I'm going to try to be as liberal as possible. She just did the Barry. She just did the, I'm black, therefore I am. And, so, <laughs> and like, straight up said nothing. Nothing in the way of our most progressive, um, you know, aims that we have right now in the party. Like, nothing, bro. She's just straight up like, yo... We're not the type of country that imprisons children, but the thing about it, Kamala, is that we are, because that's what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like, and people are supporting it. We are that type of country, right? Like, she, all of this soaring rhetoric, that's what she went with. And 
I think the problem for her, what she's going to see is that fool me once, shame on me. Oh, shame on you right. twice. Fool me, can't fool me again, Mike. Like, I think people say, <laughs> like, progressives, like, to the point where people are calling Barry a bad president, like, I will never fix my mouth to say that. But I know a lot of progressives who do, right? And it's for that very reason. It's like people were just hoodwinked by the idea of the guy and his personality and the possibility of what this guy could do and who he could be to where, like, I don't think she's going to get the same benefit of the doubt. And, you know, if if the critique is like you're a cop and you're pro-corporatism and you're pro-this, like, it can't be kumbaya is the message, bro. It's got to be I've had some sort of awakening. It's got You got to come at me on some Bobby Kennedy shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> my brother got killed. You know, I right. know it's like to be, I know what it feels like now to feel like you ain't got shit. To feel lost, to feel hopeless. I know what it felt like to say, like, I had a dramatic event in my life, you know, and I've changed. And I'm like, I'm about you black people now, right? Like, fuck all the, you know, Cuban Missile Crisis lies. Fuck COINTELPRO. Fuck all the illegal shit that I was doing to citizens. Fuck all. I saw the light, y'all. I'm ultra liberal. I'm about the black, the downtrodden. And that's what I'm doing now. She came out with some bullshit, quite frankly. That's just my <laughs> read on things, man. I mean, you know, I, it's all what he said. I agree with everything you said. I, I mean, I think, I think it's also like, look, I've been trying to, you know, particularly speak to my audience around, you know, not definitely less so, I would say, honestly, just like people that are patrons and podcasts and, and people on, you know, I would say the YouTube audience is much more broad. And I think it's really narrow and it's greatly exaggerated and lied about. But there are some people who identify on the left. I don't even know if I would really consider them left who um, they play to the stories uh, that are made up about, you know, basically like. Bernie bro this and that and all of that. And so it's like, look, I think there's nothing. It's like, here, here's what I've been saying. I mean, I, I apologize because I have already delivered this line a few times. But, you know, it's like I said, look, on a really basic level, any right thinking person would love the concept of a black woman killing Donald Trump figuratively. <laughs> but like that would be right. Yeah, sure. Right. So it's a cool concept. So so what I'm I'm saying is all I'm saying is like, look, I think, you know, to me, it's like three different things to just keep in mind. One, it's like, all right. I think that there's no problem with acknowledging the historical nature of this candidacy. So, like, I mean, I'm, I'm actually a big admirer of Shirley Chisholm and everybody should look up her 1972 campaign. But it's like, look, you know what? This is different. It's different that there is a black woman who is a top tier contender to become president of the United States. That's fucking great. Then, and we can acknowledge that. And then, but then on the flip, like, then it would actually be very condescending and very bizarre in its own way to not then assess the record. And to me, and then even there, we could say like, look, Obviously, there's a calculation. Of course, I think this is a black woman who's thinking about a national political career. So 
And that and and so being quote unquote tough on crime would be the obvious move. Yeah. And then you gotta get into the real details of things like the George Gage case, um, which was a wrongful conviction, which he defended all the way through based on testimony that had been thrown out by a judge. Um, the you know, there's a piece in the New York Times by the director of the Innocence Project in LA called Kamala Harris was not a progressive prosecutor. And I gotta say, it's horrifying. And it's, you know, I would just say when it comes to criminal justice issues, they all have problems um, of one degree or another. But Joe Biden wrote the 94 legislation, which was a massive increase to the prison industrial complex. And Kamala Harris threw all sorts of people in jail for all sorts of nonviolent crimes while going, you know, choosing not to prosecute a Steve Mnuchin. Add to wit, um, you know, I mean, just not like even David Axelrod wrote a piece and, you know, look, he obviously loves Obama and Obama's his guy. But he's saying like whatever else you say, like, no, Obama did have a really distinct message for his time. Obama also talked about the invasion of Iraq. Like Obama did some stuff that set him apart in a way that was distinct, which she has not done yet. Yeah. And I think if I mean, what I was saying about Barry earlier is just the idea that, like, on something like gay marriage, he was he was kind of one foot in, one foot out before right. he even got elected. It took after being elected from the come out and just say I'm straight up in favor of it. Right. Uh, also, I think his background when it comes to something like community organizing, we're like. He literally had to knock on people's doors, right? There's just a right. facility with speaking and communicating with normal people that he possessed. I'm talking about just policy-wise, he wasn't no damn FDR, right? Like it's no, any, not of course. He never no, I think policy as they're very similar. They're very similar. All I would say though is I think like I think, yeah, they're very similar, no, but, but I and, think... You know, and it's not even about that he wasn't, it's um, like, it's not even that he didn't govern as some incredibly progressive person. It, like, he never claimed to be. We put it on him, right? It's not Definitely. like he went back on something. We all assumed it of him because of what he symbolized. Uh, Kamala Harris, right. I'm saying, is like... Bruh, you ain't going to get that. You don't, you're not going to get that. <laughs> you're just not. And, and of course, again, because Barry, Barry wasn't a cop. He wasn't a, a prosecutor, right? Like, he would have had to refute a lot of that stuff. Like, if you're not going to come, if you're going to come out and just straight up uh, defend the ridiculous rates that we incarcerate people in like that shit ain't going to fly in the primary. It might fly in the general and people come out and support you anyway. It ain't going to, not today. It's not going to fly. You're not going to, you, these issues, they show like Elizabeth Warren's, um, the, the tax, um, increase that she's proposed. They've done the polling is polling at like 63% nationwide. We're not even talking about the democratic base. It's a major, it's po polling favor favorably with a majority of Republican voters, bro. This is the climate we talking about. Like, you can't come in here and start hitting me with, this ain't our America. Like, that ain't gonna cut it. <laughs> right.
Yeah, I mean, I, the only other thing that I would say too that just really strikes me, and you know, we'll. I mean, this is speculation because we got to start seeing how the polls, you know, shake out. But I also just really like. I totally can see and concede that definitely sometimes people who are white and associated with the left, you know, they don't um, they don't articulate issues around race or even understand some of those issues as well as they need to uh, and should. But I also think conversely, like this weird, bougie, centrist resistance thing, which has a, a bizarre, irrational hatred of Bernie Sanders. I think it actually just conceals the fact that, like, first of all, a lot of these people, again, I'm not saying they're Republicans, but they're conservative mostly. They they actually are kind of on some version of socially liberal, fiscally conservative. They don't have the same types of commitments to real broad-based justice. And that throws another issue into me, which is like, look, of course in this country, because of how racist and sexist this country is in so many ways— Obviously, just the mere reality of a contender that is a black woman is very significant. There's an essentialism and a condescension that erases so many distinctions. And and, by, and this could be any community, right? But in this case, it happens to be the black community. It's like I could tell you anecdotally, speaking of like, you know, black people I know that are not like, you know, media pundits or on Twitter <laughs> – or, you know, lawyers, right? Just in the same way you could talk to Frank, I mean, contrary to stereotype, Jewish people that aren't fucking lawyers, right? And they'll, and it's like, cool, that's awesome that Kamala's in the game, but what's the plan on student debt relief? What's the plan on, you know, these, uh, as a matter of fact, police in our neighborhood? What's the plan on healthcare? What's the plan? And so I actually think like, Again, you know, I'll work on my side and myself and, you know, whatever. But conversely, there is a real condescending essentialist bullshit case that is actually, you know, not only eliminating necessary conversations on economics and race and policy, but is actually just, you know, it's another it's a it's an idealized way. But we talked the other week about like positive stereotyping. It's like you see people who a couple of years ago, they would have defended Hillary Clinton using the phrase super predators. And now they're all like, oh, black Twitter ain't having that. It's like, what? excuse me? Like what? <laughs> you know, like using the crip walk to own Trump. These are like wine crips. And it's fucking weird. It's uncomfortable. It's bizarre. Yeah. And it's and, also and- Projection and essentialization and, an, and another negation of humanity, frankly. And, and you know, a lot of what gets lost in all of that shit is how not unpopular that sentiment was amongst actual black people in the moment, right? Like, right. it's not like it came out in black people. Of course, there were intellectuals who found it, public intellectuals who found it problematic, who were black in the moment, who were like, hey, what's going on? But the bottom line is, especially when it comes to policing, a lot of times in the neighborhood, there are people in, you know, really bad areas who are black who are like yo we need some real live policing to happen over here you know like we don't need to ignore that part of it Uh, that was what jerry brown said when he was mayor of oakland he said and he was you know he was really vicious on policing and i remember in some interview he was like it's all the like hippie left-wing white people that i 
you know, they're the ones who are livid. Like, and then you go to the working class black, and of course it's self-serving, but I'm sure it was some truth to it. He's like, all the working class, middle class black families, they love it. <laughs> and 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 listen exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, Michael, the reason why you and I are laughing is because we both know and have met middle class black people who you're hearing it in your head right now, loving yes. it. You can hear yes. It. <laughs> yes. You can and that's, and that, that's what pisses me off so much. It's like it's like the liberal racism has morphed. And again, it's be- look, it's better if it leads you to vote for Kamala Harris over, you know, the type of racism that will lead you to vote for fucking Donald Trump. But it's still it's essentializing and it's eliminating the fact that there's so many different political traditions, so many different needs, so many different yeah, desires the- inside the black community, yeah. like any other community, like any other community. Yeah. All communities have internal diversity. But Mike, this is the thing though. The the racial the race conversation just happens to be a lot more complicated on our side, right? Right. And so right. we actually have to deal with these nuances. And the, you know, the advantage of having a homogenous party <laughs> is that <laughs> you, don't, you don't have to interface with these things, man. These questions don't come up. And if they do, everybody's kind of on board. It's like, yeah, black people, shut the fuck up and stop complaining. Next question. (laughs) Hey, my family came from uh, Norway. Mine came from Ireland. I think black people should shut the fuck up. How about you? They've had a 300-year head start. (laughs) Race station right there. Yeah, right, right. I think Muslims are terrible. I think we should lock kids up. Yeah. And what we're not going to do, like, we don't need to do, and, you know, to bring up her record um, as it pertains to the only other job she's had in elected office, like, you can't call that unfair. You just, it just, now, you know, a lot of the shit that Hillary was dealing with last time when it comes to, like, is she likable? Is she, this is like, Jesus Christ, is Chris Christie likable? Like, what the fuck, bro? You know what I'm saying? Like, like what are we talking yeah. about? You know, like, a lot of that was bullshit, legitimately. And we don't need to do that to Kamala Harris. To, well, you know, you but know, you're not, but you know what? You're not going to, because I've actually said this before. Like, I was like, look, Hillary faced a lot of sexism and... She's not charismatic and she doesn't like she isn't. That's reality. And what's interesting now actually is like Elizabeth Warren has substance and is not charismatic. No. And we'll see with Kamala Harris. But Kamala Harris, like, she's very charismatic. She's got it. She got it. I she's mean, got it. Yeah. it back she got it. Her. She got it. She's good. Sure. She's good. In that regard, she's good. So so we'll see. But early indications from somebody who I don't want to say I wasn't a Kamala Harris fan, but I was far from a skeptic. But now I'm, I'm, you know, whew, I'm like, man, you better, yeah, y'all better come up with something. Um, especially in this particular Democratic primary, man. There was a time where this would have been more than enough, I think, um, as far as what she's bringing to the table. But right now, the competition is too fierce. The stakes are too high. Uh, she's gonna have to figure something out.
guess that's that's we did enough on Kamala, man. I, I definitely want to get into Davos because what happened over <laughs> what's been happening over there the past couple of days, man. And you know, Mike, like I I I vaguely have an idea about what Davos is. It's like billionaires who want to be pseudo intellectual all hang out somewhere <laughs> for a few days. Um and you know media types show up or whatever but like what's your read of what davos is for well, the part I mean, that's a, it's a huge know. networking event i mean i think it's change like it's prestige is a little different you know like i like when like particularly like say in the late 90s when like bill clinton and tony blair were in power i mean it was like the pinnacle of that type of like corporate globalization. But I mean, it isn't just billionaires. I mean, it's every, you know, it's heads of state from around the world. It's high powered journalists. It is, it's a schmooze fest of a lot of the world's most powerful people. And then they, they invite, you know, a handful of like actually interesting people, whether they be activists or intellectuals or academics and like what's interesting now, which we'll get into in the last couple of minutes here, I know you're about to set up is like, I think that they've always kind of fancied like themselves like, oh, no, we're willing to hear people criticize us or whatever, because that's kind of like the ethos is like we're, quote unquote, enlightened billionaires, although it's beautiful because as you see, as soon as you are talking about their taxes, they have temper tantrums and, you know, they're spoiled, dangerous oligarchs like any like just any of them are. But I think now because of social media, the calculation is flipped. It's like instead of just being in a room with like fucking Bono and it's like, yeah, it's a streaming on C-SPAN. Maybe I should try to like help these people be a little bit more decent. You can just say like, hey, you guys are fucking full of shit. And it beams out across Instagram and Twitter. And it's like mission accomplished. Fuck Davos like, and fuck man. everything it represents. It was incredible, man. And, you know, uh, they had a panel and this historian by the name of Rutger Bregman. He's from uh, he's from somewhere in Scandinavia, of course. (laughs) And I say, of course, because socialism is like actually thriving over there in a major way. That's why I say, of course, not to say that only smart people are over there, but he's from a place that like. The the concept of collectivism is not weird. It doesn't seem like this foreign object. It doesn't seem like, um, you know, anti-American or anti-this. It just seems like something that works pretty well when you put the proper resources right. and thought um, equity into it, right? Like, it can work for a lot of people, and it has – and it yields amazing outcomes for, a, like – a a huge amount of your society, right? Um, That's why I say, of course, but he gets up there and he says, quote, This is my first time at Davos and and I find it quite a bewildering experience, to be honest. (laughs) I mean, 1,500 private jets have flown in here to hear Sir David Attenborough speak about, you know, how we're wrecking the planet. And uh, I mean, I hear people talk in the language of participation and justice and equality and transparency. But then, I mean, almost no one raises the real issue of tax avoidance, right? And of the rich just not paying their fair share. I mean, it feels like I'm at a firefighters fighters conference and no one's allowed to speak about water, right? <laughs> there, was, there was only one panel, actually. Well, we've had two. You're the second well, of well, our panelists. There, there so was we're... only one panel. Let's go there. 
one panel hidden away in the media center that was actually about tax avoidance. Yeah. I was about I was one of the 15 participants. So <laughs> something needs to change here. I mean, ten, 10 years ago, the World Economic Forum asked the question, what must industry do to prevent a broad social backlash? The answer is very simple. Just stop talking about philanthropy and start talking about taxes, mm -hmm. taxes, taxes. We need to, mm -hmm. I mean, just two days ago, there was a billionaire in here, uh, what's his name, Michael Dell. And uh, he asked the question like, name me one country where a top marginal tax rate of 70% has actually worked. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'm a historian, the United States, that's where it has actually worked. In the 1950s, during <laughs> Republican President Eisenhower, you know, the war veteran, the top marginal tax rate in the US was 91% mm -hmm. for people like Michael Dell. You know, the top estate tax for people like Michael Dell was more than 70%. I mean, this is not rocket science. Mm -hmm. I mean, we can talk for a very long time about all these stupid <laughs> philanthropy schemes. We can invite Bono once more, but come on, it's, we gotta be talking about taxes. Yikes. That's it, taxes, taxes, taxes. All the rest is bullshit, in, in my opinion. <laughs> Mind you, um, and this is, you know, <laughs> and, and, and this is like, uh, this is at, a conference, like we said, with former CEOs and and like he, before that, which I didn't mention in the quote, he says like I, I, I get over here and it's like twelve hundred private jets. Like is this is yeah. this is a wild like you know group of people that are assembled here and it's like all these high minded ideas of justice and equality. It's like, bro, rich people just get to shovel their taxes away, bro. In a way that, like, the dude that works at McDonald's, his shit comes right out. <laughs> it yeah. comes right out, bro. And the people who have the most of it, who have the most to contribute, who have the most responsibility, quite frankly, because society has shined the kindest on you. And you need to sprinkle some of that shine on the rest of us, right? Like, that's literally your responsibility. He's like, bro, we can't even get up here and talk about tax avoidance. Like, what's the point of this shit? Right. We're not even going to talk about the main source of it. Exactly. And I mean, there was also this other exchange where, which was really embarrassing for everybody because <laughs> the, this reporter from Wall, from the Washington Post, she's literally a economics reporter, was like, she kind of, she asked Michael Dell, you know, like not seriously, but kind of like, hey, what do you think about, you know, you know, the uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez proposal of taxing people at 70 percent after their first 10 million dollars. It's really important people understand that. That is literally after the first 10 million dollars a year you've made, not to mention all the other things we need to do that are just straight up taxing people just sitting passively on wealth. But and Michael Dell had a big tan. You know, he was like, oh, well. I don't think that's going to work really well economically and, you know, did the usual silly propaganda, which like, actually, I'm sure he believes. Like, I think a lot he, of these people he, really and aren't, then he they're he totally said, and economically illiterate. And then this professor sitting next to him is like, well, one place that did work is in the United States. And then he talks about, you know, all the times where we actually did have these high rates after World War II and we had amazing growth and all the rest of it. And then what was funny was, the reporter from the Washington Post, she's like, yeah, kind of in the 1980s, <laughs> like when Reagan was slashing taxes. It's like, you're the fucking economics reporter. Like, yeah, everybody's just being embarrassed here. Yeah. And of course, after the tongue lashing 
<laughs> that this dude got like, well, dude, like I, I, I'm a historian. I study history. Like the marginal tax rate in this country at one point was at 91 percent. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, if you if you want to have a discussion, maybe we should get it to 65, 70. But, like, the shit used to be at 91%, and it was just fine. The economy did not collapse. Like, we had the most prosperity as far as, like, spreading the wealth amongst the most amount of people. Like, that's just a fact. <laughs> this isn't no. me making shit up or me, like, no, like, this idea that, well, we never tried it and seen it work anywhere. No, it worked here. In, I mean, well, there in America, if you're coming from that guy's perspective. And, of course, Ken Goldman gets up, former CFO of Yahoo, and he's like, oh, you guys be talking <laughs> about taxes and all this shit, man. Like, shit's pissing me off. Why don't you talk about... We got unemployment rates the lowest. <laughs> unemployment well, rates well, the lowest well. amongst youths, amongst black people, amongst this, amongst that. And then, of course, they got... they just Like, when people act like... Nobody who actually studies this, pays attention to it, dedicates any amount of, you know, sweat equity, time, thought, brain power to this, agrees with any of these idiots, like anybody who spends any significant amount of time thinking about this stuff knows what the actual truth is. And this woman, Winnie, um, damn, I don't, I'm going to butcher her last name, man, but it's Bien Yima, I think, man. I'm Winnie just, Mandela. Okay, Winnie, <laughs> okay, Winnie <laughs> Mandela. <laughs> I'm, I'm stupid. This woman is, you know, she's an aeronautical engineer, politician, it's diplomat. Certain, I actually don't have you know, somebody who's actually qualified to talk about this stuff, and she's just like... The gentleman who talked about, who said we've just talked taxes and that jobs are there and there's low and unemployment rates are low. Let me tell you something. We're talking about jobs, but the quality of those jobs. And we also work with poultry workers in the richest country in the world, the United States. Poultry workers. These are women who are cutting the chickens and packing them and we buy them in the supermarkets. Dolores, one woman we work with there, told us that she and her co-workers have to wear diapers to work because they are not allowed toilet breaks. This is in the richest country in the world. That's not a dignified job. Those are the jobs we are being told about, that globalization is bringing jobs. The quality of the jobs matter. It matters. These are not jobs of dignity. In many countries, workers no longer have a, a voice. They are not allowed to unionize. They are not allowed to negotiate for, for salaries. So we're talking about jobs, but jobs that bring dignity. We are talking about healthcare. The World Bank has told us that 3.4 billion people who earn $5.5 a day are on the verge, are just uh, medical bill away from sinking into poverty. They don't have health care. They are just a crop failure away from sinking back into poverty. They have no crop insurance. So don't tell me about low levels of unemployment. You are counting the wrong things. You're not counting dignity of people. You're counting exploited people. These are not jobs where it's like, yo, I can oh, pay It's Winnie Bayanima, and she's also... Yeah, she was an aeronautical engineer, and she's now an Oxfam executive director. And they put out those really important reports on the wealth gap. So, yeah, she's all over this. 
Exactly. And she's just like, yo, these jobs suck. Yes, people are getting paid, but it's just like the wages aren't going anywhere. Right? Like if you talk about you just look at you just look at the, you know, the actual <laughs> the actual median income is staying the same and the cost of literally every single thing else around you that you have to pay in order to live is going up. None of it makes sense. The only people whose money is going up are the people who already have a shit ton of it. This isn't a conspiracy. This isn't a lie. This is just what it is, bro. Like, this is just what it is. And it's just it's just so amazing when these people who get to live in an actual bubble, because a lot of times people talk about the liberal bubble and blah, 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 and real people don't actually care about Louis C.K. earning a living. And to a certain extent, I do fucking agree with that. <laughs> I do right. understand that lament and that critique. But, like, somebody like this freaking Yahoo, former Yahoo CFO, like, he... I mean, can you imagine who he interacts with on a daily basis? Again, like, you think him or Howard Schultz talk to garbage men? Like, invite garbage men to their house for dinner? Like, come to their dinner parties? Like, I don't know, like, are at your birthday party? Like, no! The people who they are around don't talk to them about reality. They don't have to face reality. They get to live in the clouds. That's it. There's nothing else to add to that. That's the perfect summary of why. I mean, Anan Giardis, who also that's a whole other one. I mean, I I covered it on Michael Brooks show. He he did it. He he ended up pissing off both Bill Gates and Tony Blair, who are two more, you know, just totally trash people. And he said Davos is a reunion of world records. And like you just said, I mean, you just summarized it. So. That's the that's the woke bros treatment. I mean, I think next week we got to hit them with some positive examples, but hopefully there'll be some stuff to to bring to everybody's attention that will be forward momentum for next week. Um, I just want to say, you know, definitely if if you if you there might still be a few uh, come to the live show at the Bell House, become a patron at Patreon.com/slash/TMBS. You will literally get two to one content, illicit histories on everywhere from Iran to Jamaica uh, and the post games where we take your calls and your discord questions. And Waz was just there. You know, we have a lot of fun with that. There's a lot of comedy. It's a lot of, there's a lot of nonsense going on. You can stream it on Michael Brooks show YouTube channel. And also of course you can listen to it and subscribe to it on iTunes. But the best thing to do is hit that Patreon button. Um, and so, yeah, I just want to put that out. Uh, anything else to hit? You guys are the best. Um, and also, can't say anything yet, but Waz and I are going to have an exciting announcement in a couple of weeks. Yeah, a couple of weeks, a crazy fire announcement, man. I'm really, really excited about this. So many things in the works this year. I think our, you know, TMBS family, Count the Dings community, everybody should be excited about what's to come this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. Oh, um, of okay. course, make sure you um, subscribe when or if you can to Count the Dings. I mean, patreon.com backslash Count the Dings, man. We really rely on that support. It's not one of those things that's like an extravagance or whatever. 
we really rely on the support from the Patreon, man, and all the people who show us love with their hard-earned dollars. And not just that, like, hit us up on social, come to shows, and just, like, you know, really lift us up. We appreciate all of that. See you guys next week. Make sure you subscribe to Back to Back, uh, The House of Strauss. Uh, what's the, the the interceptable? I forget. Ken Fahey's um podcast, man. Of course, if you're listening to this, you're subscribed. I hope and have rated. Black opinions matter. Uh, you know, shouts to everybody, man. Uh, see you guys next week. kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.